what these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets NBA Finals Edition, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. I'm joined by Brandon Anderson. He's NBA Futures Analyst at the Action Network. This is your NBA Finals Series Preview and Best Bets between the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. After many months, eight months of basketball, we have reached this point where on the one side... We have the number one seed in the Western Conference, the team that has been the best team in the West really since December is when they took over the number one spot in the West and they've held it the entire way. The Denver Nuggets who have absolutely smashed through the Western Conference. And on the other side, just as we all thought, the eight-seeded Miami Heat. (laughs) Uh, Jimmy Butler, after the Boston Celtics, completely once again shit the bed at home uh, in a key game. we will give you best bets on the series today. We will talk about all sorts of angles. We'll cover some prop stuff. Let you know what's coming up. Brandon and I are going to do this episode. And we're going to break down some of the X's and O's of it. Key matchups, why we're on the side that we're on, and we are on the same side. Um, I'll bring up the counter arguments and the counterpoints about this. We'll talk a little bit about if you like a different side, how to bet it, all these types of things. We'll get to all of that. There will be uh, in your feeds on Wednesday morning, most likely, an NBA props episode for the finals. It's going to be Brandon and Jim Turvey and Joe Delera, our three prop geniuses who are going to be on with me. And we'll break that down and we'll give you prop bets that are specifically player based throughout the series. We'll touch on like player angles in this one. This is mostly our series bets. Um, there will be a game one episode that's going to have all the greatest hits of buckets. We'll have Joe Delera. We'll have Jim Turvey. We'll have Brandon. We'll have Jay Money. We'll have Sean Little. I'm hopeful to get AC on. We're going to have the whole crew with your game one best bets as well as some series hits for them as well. So we got more content coming for you on the NBA finals as well as obviously on Friday morning, we'll react to game one and get you set for game two with a best bet going into the weekend. Want to let the listeners know, we told you for weeks, if you left a five-star review, on Apple Podcasts, and you told us who your favorite analyst was that you could win either merchandise or a one-year pro subscription. Well, I've got some good news for you. We've got a few winners to give out today, Brandon. We've got three winners I'm going to give out today. I'll give out two winners on the Best Bets episode for Game 1, and we'll have some more throughout the summer as people keep rolling them in. Keep sending those five-star reviews because we'll have more opportunities for them. In order to claim... Email podcasts at actionnetwork.com. That's podcast at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. And if you're wondering who that is, well, let's start with this one. The voice of Orson Welles. What a a handle. All right. Voice of Orson Welles. You should email podcast at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. Frank Dahl, if you want to claim your prize, email podcast at actionnetwork.com. And we'll do... Liubo 
L-Y-U-B-O-H. Excellent content is the top line. Thank you to Liubo H. You can email podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. Make sure you keep leaving those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts along with why you love the show, which analyst is your favorite as we'll be picking more winners as the NBA Finals roll along. All right, Brandon, as we always do, we'll start with our best bet. Give me your best bet for the Miami Heat versus the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals 2023. Denver Nuggets. I like them on the series spread. I'm going to play the escalator. So main portion of the bet, Nuggets minus one and a half on the series line. It's at minus 134 right now. That'll be about half of my bet. Nuggets minus two and a half. So that's Nuggets in five or less. That's at plus 145. And then just a little bit on the Nuggets to sweep at plus 600. Give me the full escalator. We're taking it all the way to the top. When we're down to just one series, it's hard to create disagreement or very <laughs> content. And I don't like us being all on the same side, but we're going to be on the same, same side here. Uh, I grabbed this on uh, Monday night after the game. Nuggets minus one and a half, minus 134. Those numbers are still out there. I want to talk to you from a market perspective. The money so far is coming on Denver. Like these numbers are rolling yeah. towards Denver because everyone's coming to the same conclusions that you and I have. Um, we're smart, but we're not that smart. Um, so my question for you is like, do you see a public pullback on Miami? And is there still value given how these numbers are getting juiced with how many people are betting the Nuggets right now? So let me start with the second half of that. I'll, I'll give you my numbers, uh, basically giving you a, what would I bet it to? Okay. So here are my numbers. My numbers say Nuggets minus one and a half. My fair price would put that at minus 157. So that would be a bet to like a minus 150 range. Minus two and a half. I got that in my numbers at plus 115. So close to 50-50. I think I, I've got Nuggets. So that's a five or less. And by the way, just to cl be clear, because I know these series bets get a little confusing. Why would I bet minus two and a half when you could bet Nuggets four to one outcome? I had someone ask that on Twitter. Well, that's a good question. It's because if I bet the minus two and a half here, like we're talking about, or let, let's do the minus one and a half. You're on that. I'm on that. That's Nuggets in six or five or four. So Nuggets in minus two and a half is Nuggets in five or four. You win both ways. The Nuggets four to one outcome is just Nuggets in five. So you got to be careful. Make sure you know what you're getting and not getting. Sometimes it's good to not get. We, we all know I play that way too. So my minus two and a half, I make it a plus 115. So anything higher than that. And then sweep, I have just a touch below plus 500. So the margins are not huge here. Uh, I played the escalator on Miami last round. I got a little too aggressive, it turned out. I took the two and a half. You and I both were on that plus two and a half. That hit right away. We got our two wins right out of the gates. I took the plus one and a half. That hit. And then I got too aggressive. I did not actually bet Miami on the money line. I missed it. I said, well, we're going to win in seven. So I took Miami minus one and a half. And there you go. That's a good example of I excluded an outcome. That was the one that ended up hitting there. So to me, from a numbers perspective, there's still some margin there. But my Miami escalator bet had a lot more margin in my favor. I would have bet that much more aggressively, even though I like the Nuggets a lot better, just playing the numbers. Do I think this will come back uh, with, with public money? They may come back with sharp money. <laughs> and I think that's more likely to, to move lines. I, I think that there's going to be a public or sharp, both, a push on 
wait a minute here. Haven't we done this with Miami all postseason? Haven't we declared them dead? Haven't we decided they're done? We just did it in Boston multiple times. We did it start the series. ESPN analytics, 97%. Everyone freaked out about it. But then we did it again. I did it again. I buried them. I said Celtics victory parade game seven. And then the Celtics lost game seven. We did this against Milwaukee. We didn't really do it against the Knicks. They sucked. But we've done it a lot to the Heat. And the Heat are the only team in NBA history already to have won three road game ones. I feel like that's going to be the story in these next couple of days that you, you can't just bury the Heat. Look how resilient they are. And then maybe some of this money comes back the other way. Brad and I were talking before the show. And like, you should know, like, I want to be transparent about this. Okay. Our job is to give you best bets. Our job is, is to talk about these games. And like, I'm excited to watch the series. It should be good. This thing is sharp as hell. It opened yeah. like, and this is part of the problem with when the other books already open a little bit, like some of these books opened minus one and a half nuggets at like minus 140, minus 150. So when all like the books that have minus 134 took all that money, so that yeah. automatically moves further into the juice at FanDuel right now minus one and a half is minus 164 it hurts like that hurts like that that big is yeah. painful right and, that, and that's past pay. my threshold now that that is at FanDuel is no longer bettable for my threshold I guess like then the question becomes like okay and we'll talk we'll, we will talk about if you want to bet Miami um we'll have to figure out like what the threshold is for your numbers relative to what the market is on even if you're just like, because that's the question here. If you're, if you're, you don't have to bet it. You don't have to. You take it game by game, right? But like, if you're gonna bet it, what's the best approach? And where is the numbers want to come in for? I'll just say I don't mind minus one sixty four on on Denver. I, I I came into this one. This is tough for me on a number of levels. Um, I gave this out the the Heat plus two and a half versus the Bucks, and I didn't give them enough credit. I gave them plus two, and I was wrong on on taking the Knicks in that series. I don't know what I was thinking. The minute you were like, it's Eric Spolster versus Tom Thibodeau. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, versus the the Celtics, we took plus two and a half, but I didn't give them enough credit, right? Like, why why would I, I, I'm killing myself for not being like, why didn't I take the plus one and a half? I think you played it right in just taking the plus one and a half. They should have lost game seven. Like, they should have lost, like, and by should have lost, that's not how that game played out. No, clearly, like, the, the Heat were way better. You have the number two seed at home after crawling out of a 3-0 hole versus an inferior opponent with a chance of the NBA Finals on the line after they had just come back from this 3-0 thing, after they, like, all of these things suggested, I wrote this, it suggested Boston. Like, Boston was the right side in that game. Miami won because that's what Miami's doing. And if you want to keep betting on that, again, we'll talk about, like, how you can do that. But, like, you need to accept that that's basically what you're doing. You're just going... I'm going to bet on past results informing future performance. That's all that matters. It's like what's happened is going to keep happening. You just need to start there and continue. Where I get to with the series is if you ask me like the good old-fashioned pundit pick, hey, pick a, a team and a, and a number of games. This is Nuggets in five. Yep. Like that's that's where I get to. But I have such a healthy respect for Miami that I am – and like. I am hoping that the money comes in on Miami because I would love to be able to get an opportunity to get Nuggets minus two and a half at a little bit better of a price. Like right now, it's plus 122 at FanDuel. Like, think about that. Like, again, the market is screaming at you. Take, like, if you want to bet Miami, feel free. 
Like that's what the market is telling us. The, the market is like, if you want to bet nuggets, you're going to have to pay for it. If you want to bet for Miami, we'll take your money. We will absolutely take your Miami money. That's what the market is saying in this situation. And the reason they are saying that is because Denver is the better team with home court with the best player in the series. Okay, cool. So were the Bucs with Giannis. I don't know that you would say Jason Tatum's better than Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. I think that one's pretty debatable. But the Celtics were at least the better team with home court. Oh, two. He ran him out, right? This is also a nightmarish matchup for the Miami Heat. And if you talk to the smart Heat fans, they will tell you the same. Like the smart Heat fans are like, oh, this is so bad. Well, I hope we keep winning because we've just been winning. And that's about where we get to with this. So, yeah. Brandon, well, I will let the, see the floor to you. Give me your yeah. breakdown on what you think about the matchup. Let, let me let me respond to a couple of those things first before we get into it. Because I think it's important that even tell me if I'm wrong, but I believe that those those same Heat fans, the smart Heat fans who understand the team, the strengths and weaknesses, I think those Heat fans did not expect to be here today after last night. Yeah. Do you agree? Like, yeah. I think that they saw the writing on the wall that it's not over. Anything can happen. The shots can go in. Tatum can twist his ankle. Those things happened, and the Heat earned and deserved the win. They did, but they got some help along the way. Both things can be true. I think those same smart Heat fans expected that outcome, that that in all likelihood, you got to game seven, it's in Boston, it's probably not going great, but it's sports, anything can happen in it. Can the Heat win the finals? Absolutely, this is sports, anything can happen. We've seen anything happen. I have the Nuggets overwhelming favorites in the series. That still means 80% likely. 80% sounds really high, but 20% is one of every five times that the Heat would win the finals. If the Heat never win the finals in any scenarios in my brain, then 80% is wrong. I'm a bad capper. Like, you have to allow that can is part of sports. But I think it's important with Miami, there's a pushback from from Heat fans and just from folks listening to Buckets and watching analysis from us, from the folks at ESPN, Fox, everywhere. Well, nobody gives Miami any credit. We never give Miami credit. And I think... It's important to, you've got to do both sides. Miami gets credit, period. Miami is in the finals. They are the second team ever to be an eight seed and make the finals. They're here. Jimmy Butler did it. Bam Adebayo did it. Caleb Martin is a star now. They hit the shots. They buckled down on defense. Spo has been awesome. They did it. They earned it. There's no asterisk. None of that matters. They're here. As batters... Context matters. And the context is Miami was just thoroughly outplayed over the last week, but put themselves in position where they only had to win one out of four and they did it. They won one out of four. They got there, but that matters. Miami also, whether you like to admit it or not, got help from injuries. Jason Tatum turned his ankle on the first play of the game. That changes everything forward the rest of the game. Nothing else is the same without the best player on the court, the way Jimmy Butler is injured right now, Tatum was the best player. Everything changes after that. In the first round, Giannis got hurt. I know. Great taking a charge. Good job, Heat culture. I know that's all part of it. Still, the best player on the planet, the best player in the East, got hurt. That matters. The context matters when the Heat keep getting here. We've done this conversation about like, well, which Heat are the real Heat? Are they the eight-seed Heat or are they the one-seed Heat last year? I'll let you respond to this, but I think neither one of those. I think the Heat are what they were in the bubble when this all started four years ago. 
when they were in the four or five matchup, fourth or fifth best in the East. And they're a good team. They're a tough team that could take anyone to the wire and give themselves a chance to win. I think that's exactly what the Heat are. They have been the fourth or fifth best team in the East ever since then. Last year, when they were the one seed, we said all year, they were overrated as a one seed. They were not as strong as a typical one seed. They were probably the fourth or fifth best team. And then they did well in the playoffs. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals in seven. This year, they weren't as bad as an eight seed. They were better than that. We said that a lot all year. Here they are again. They overperformed again. I just think you can acknowledge all of these things. That he can be good, but not great. That he can have taken advantage of injuries and shooting luck. And he can also get credit for being there in the finals. Yeah. Like a lot of this is, I'm not going to sit here. I, I this These playoffs have been great for me in terms of kind of reconciling a lot of what I struggle with, with the Bucks and the Fred Van Vliet thing from 2019, which is just like, <laughs> I've, this is sports. Like you're going to have these stretches where guys shoot out of their minds. Fred Van Vliet literally had the best three game shooting performance in NBA history. The reason I bring that up is the heat are currently doing something similar. Caleb Martin shot 49% from three in a seven game series versus the Boston Celtics, 49% from three and 60% from the field. I am not like, that's never going to happen again. I'm like, no, that's that's what happens. Sometimes that stuff happens. Like, you have to have the margin for error to get past it. Yep. There are questions, as you mentioned, about, like, which team is this? Heat fans are dedicated to this. This is the talking point. They were a great shooting team last year. This is just them again. No. Get out of here. Shut up. No. One. One. Been doing this for 15, 15 years. 15 years I've been doing this. Every season, you're a new organism. Every single season. These Boston Celtics are not last year's Boston Celtics because last year's Boston Celtics defend well enough to give them a chance in game seven. This year's Boston Celtics do not. Last year's Milwaukee Bucks are made of an entirely different chemical makeup and play a lot differently than this year's Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, And last year's Miami Heat had P.J. Tucker. This year's team does not. Last year's team had Tyler Hero. This year's team does not. That 2020 bubble team that you referenced – Key players in that series, in the finals, six games, 135 minutes, Kendrick Nunn. <laughs> six games, 118 minutes, Andre Iguodala. Five games, 114 minutes, Kelly Olynyk. You're a different team every year, even with the same personnel. You're a different team. And the Heat, this we're not this team in the regular season. And historically, you are not able to become an entirely different team in the playoffs. It is a credit to them that their coaching and personnel are malleable enough to allow them that in a series where they needed to shoot the ever loving lights out versus the Milwaukee Bucks, they shot 45% from three. That's not a fluke. They get credit for it. They could have been like some of these dumbass teams in the West who are like, but why would we shoot threes? Let's just take <laughs> a bunch of contested mid range shots. Let's let Anthony Davis just like, you know, whatever no like you need offense to keep up with denver and so but miami deserves all the credit in the world for that it does not change who they were this season and it doesn't change that the odds are unlikely that they will be able to replicate an unlikely performance again if you believe that the miami heat are going to shoot 43 percent or better from three-point range which is what they shot versus the Boston Celtics. Shot 45% versus Milwaukee, 43% versus the Celtics. If you believe that, 
then you should bet the Heat and you should bet them plus two and a half, plus one and a half, and on the series spread line. Like series yeah. money. Like, I think that's true. I, I think you play the same escalator that I put out on this podcast last round. If you think that that shooting is going to keep up, you should play that exact bat yes. match just said. And if it happens, you get to say that you knew it all along. And that's how that goes. And I'm not, I'm seriously, I'm not being patronizing. Like that's the benefit of this. You get to make that determination. I can't tell you what they're going to shoot. I can tell you what the probabilistic outcome is for them in the series. It's not good. It's fine. It's maybe a little bit better, but like a lot of this is, you could say, you could say definitively that they shot that well and outplayed two teams that would have been favored versus the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals. If the Bucs had made the Finals, they would have been favorites, heavy favorites. If the Celtics had made the Finals, even after Game 7, like, there's some been some debate about this. I f- will just tell you, I firmly believe that the books that were like, yeah, it's a blah, 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 it's like a little bit closer to even, I don't think that would have been the case. I think that these numbers would have opened higher. I have reason to believe that. I think they would have opened minus 140-ish, minus 130 to minus 140 for the Boston I agree. And, and so, we had lines before game seven at some books that already had Boston listed as a favorite. Yeah. And after winning a game seven and closing out the biggest comeback in NBA history, there would have been steam on Boston and it would have pushed that up even higher. I agree. As a public team too. So yep. if you want to say the Heat beat two teams that would have been favored versus Denver. So how are they going to win fewer games versus Denver? And that's a fair question when we approach it from that market perspective. The matchup is where this becomes nightmarish for me. Let's start right here. They got nothing for Joker. They got zero. They got Zilch. If you want to say Eric Spolstra will figure something out. Okay. I would recommend there are clips out there. You can go search for them about Eric Spolstra commenting on Nikola Jokic and what he does and how they specifically have a problem with him. And a lot of this, I'll just like shorthand tactic this. There are shortcuts you can take. There are just like simple direct tactics. X guy struggles with Y tactic. Let's do that a lot. Joel Embiid struggles with double teams, particularly from blind spots. Once you start doing that and he has to pass out of them, high turnover rate disengages. Um, if you talk about even like great play, like Anthony Davis, body him, make it difficult for him, make him a jump shooter. Don't let him get opportunities versus smaller op- opponents. There are all these kind of things. Nikola Jokic just got through Anthony Davis. Like he was water. Like he moved through Anthony Davis. There were so many little floaters where I'm just watching AD get just like, washed backwards by the tsunami that is Nikola Jokic. Bam's smaller. The numbers on Bam guarding Jokic over the last three seasons are catastrophic. They won't be as bad in this series. He'll work really hard. Bam's an elite defender. I think Bam's the best defender in the NBA. You can have a different opinion. That's mine. He's got nothing for Nikola. Nothing on him because of the size and skill advantage. How does Miami create good defense? They play zone. They were one like this is honestly like a shorthand for a lot of the good coaches in the league is like do they like do they do they play zone and do they switch and Miami has done a lot of those two things. Denver is the best offense in the league versus switch this season or versus zone. They they annihilate it because you want to know how you beat it. You flash a big man to the free throw line and you have him pass out of it. <laughs> yeah, kind of helps to have Nikola Jokic. If you were going to create a big man in in basketball history to <laughs> defeat a zone, you would yeah. make in a lab Nikola Jokic. Yeah, and so they don't have this, and they don't have any backup center options. It's like Cody Zeller. If Cody Zeller has a surprisingly great series, if you want to, 
again, if you're like, well, I think Cody Zeller can defend Nikola Jokic one-on-one. Okay. You should bet the heat plus two and a half plus one and a half and on the series series money line. Like this is where you have to get to because a lot of this is even if the heat have not as good, but compared to their regular season performance or what you would expect really good, but not elite offensive performance. Denver's offensive floor is so much higher. Denver puts up 125, 130 offensive ratings in their sleep. Like it's when things are clicking, it's easy for them. And if you're like, well, they will just not let them click. Okay. All right. But the problem is that this is the other issue. Jokic and Malone, they get better as a series goes on. They figure out more things to do against you. It's hard to figure out something that Jokic can't anticipate. And so like all of this kind of permeates from there. Now look, and again, going back to your point, the injuries thing, if Nikola Jokic sprains his ankle in the first first play of the game, everything we say is moot, it's out the door. Everything changes. Everything changes, the Heat are going to win. If you want to bet that Nikola Jokic is going to sprain an ankle the same way that, that, that Giannis Antetokounmpo hurt his back while the Heat were taking a charge or that Jason Tatum sprained his ankle while the Heat were taking a charge... If you want to bet that, again, you should bet heat plus two and a half, heat plus one and a half, and heat on the on the series spread. Series my line. Yeah, so I, I think a main point for me as well is just just how good Denver's offense is. You focus on the Jokic thing. I'm just gonna do big pictures, kind of four factor sort of angles, like I yeah. do. The Nuggets offense, absurdly, as good as they were in the regular season, they had the MVP in Nikola Jokic, and were awesome in the regular season. The offense has gotten better in the postseason. Their free throw rates up in the playoffs. Their offensive rebounding up in the playoffs. Their turnovers, and this is key, Denver was not good at keeping the ball in the regular season. They're bottom 10 in turnover rate. They're number one in turnovers. They have the least turnovers of any team. The thing they've actually gotten a little worse at is they're slightly less efficient. Their EFG is down a little bit, but that's going to fix itself because guess what? Denver was number two EFG in the regular season. Miami's defense was bottom five EFG. And that number has not really improved a lot this postseason. Miami was second worst at two point percent defense. Uh, Denver is top three at that. Denver's going to score in the series. I think the turnover battle has to be key. And we talked about that a little bit last series. Boston was a team that didn't turn over a lot. They had a pretty low turnover rate. But a thing that was a potential worry, part of why I liked Miami last series, is that last year in the playoffs, Miami just screwed with Boston. Old vase hand back on the podcast again today. My man is turning it over right now while he just dropped his iPhone trying to listen to the podcast. It was rough in game seven. He had more turnovers than the entire Miami team. Miami screwed with Boston's ability to control the ball. They, They targeted the right guys. If they can do that, That changes things because Denver is going to score. Miami needs turnovers because it's two things. It stops them from scoring and it makes scoring on the other end, right? It's a double math whammy. It's like every Miami steal is like a three or four point swing because you took a couple points off the board and you gave Miami, whose offense is not very good, their best offense they possibly can get, which is transition down to the other end. They have to do that. They have to get the turnovers. Go back and look game by game in the Heat Celtics series. Games one, two, three, 
Boston had like 15 turnovers every game and Miami had only 10 and Boston lost all three. It flipped and we did all the shot variance thing and the shots flipped, but so did the turnovers. Boston stopped turning it over game five, game six, game four, all those. They stopped turning over and they started winning. Then it happened game seven. Boston couldn't stop turning over again. It flipped back the other way. The turnover margin has been really key to Miami. My, or Denver has not turned it over in these playoffs so far. Now, to be fair, they're not really facing teams so far that are great at forcing turnovers. So that is part of it. You know, you got to be careful with playoff stats because you're getting weird samples where yeah. you're getting you know all the games against two teams or three teams so far, obviously. So that to me is Denver offensively. I'm going to talk about heat offense. Oh, by the way, Denver's offense for the playoffs right now, 119.7 offensive rating for the playoffs. The Sacramento Kings were the number one offense in the league this year and in NBA history at 119.4. The Nuggets have a better offense in the playoffs against the best teams the world has to offer in the playoffs than any team in league history. Seems pretty good. Miami's offense. I think Denver actually has a key answer here. I'm curious. I think you might disagree a little bit. So I want to talk through it. So a way to attack Denver's defense, we know, is get to the rim. We saw Anthony Edwards do it in round one. Just not enough. Minnesota didn't have enough other answers. We saw Devin Booker occasionally do it. Really, Denver has, we, we, we did all the Miami luck stuff. Denver's gotten lucky, I think. They have not faced someone who will consistently pressure the rim. And guess what? They're still not going to in the finals. There's nobody on Miami that's going to consistently pressure the rim. Denver's two-point defense is not good. But Miami is inefficient scoring twos. The thing Miami wants to do is they take a ton of threes and they got to get their shots up. And we saw how relevant the three-point stats are. Now, Denver allowed the third fewest threes in the NBA this season. They also allowed the third lowest percentage three-pointers in the NBA this season. Miami was 27th in the regular season. Miami makes all the shots now, we understand. But Denver has been good at not getting beat on threes. For the playoffs, Denver is allowing under 10 three-pointers per game so far. Now, again, they play the Lakers. They play the Suns. I get it. These are not three-point volume teams. But Miami has 13 or more threes in 13 out of their 18 games. They need those threes and are not really a huge, huge volume team. Even if Denver can limit the volume, run them off the line and just limit volume, Miami's just not going to have enough there. And I think as much as Jokic gets crap for not being a good rim protector, I think it's a feature by design of the defense that says, you know what, go ahead. Jokic contesting a two is a worse shot for you than us giving up an open three. I know it's going to look bad for our guy, but we rather funnel you towards a worse shot than give up all these open threes. I think Denver can limit the thing Miami wants, which is to get all those threes up. And I think that's a problem for Miami too. You know Denver's defense better than me. You've seen them a lot more. Am I, am I seeing something there in the numbers or am I overthinking on this one? No, I think you're right in in a, in a lot of ways. Um, they have gotten a lot better about contesting three pointers. The rim defense has been a sore point. Like that's something that like Malone's still going to harp on. There's a couple of things to kind of consider here because the idea is people get a little bit too basic where they're just like, well, what's Nicola going to do when Jimmy Butler's attacking him? And it's like they're going to do the same thing they did to Devin Booker. They're going to blitz him. 
They're going to try and get the ball out of Jimmy Butler's hands. Denver's base defense, the defense that they want to play, and they can't do it every time because you can't give him an expectation. Dem- what Denver wants to do is get the ball out of the best player's hands. The more I think about this, the more I'm just like, why doesn't everyone do this? Like, if the playoffs are so often <laughs> decided by the best players having superstar moments, why don't you just do everything possible to get the fucking ball out of their hands? Because that's what Denver does is they blitz all these pick and rolls. They switch one four. So everything that doesn't involve Jokic in the starting unit, they're going to switch. This is where it's going to get interesting. So what Jimmy will do is Butler will decide between MPJ and Jamal Murray. Which of those guys does he want to try? Probably Jamal. You want to wear him down. So they'll run a, a Gabe Vincent screen to get Jamal Murray switched on him. If the Nuggets reject that screen, Butler's attacking it. He's going to try and get to the rim. He'll probably draw fouls. If they switch it, now Butler's going to then take Jamal Murray and he, then he will run him back into Nikola Jokic pick and roll. They will blitz that. They'll put two at the level and they'll either hedge or blitz it, depending on how aggressive they want to be and try and get the ball out of his hands, which you got Bam out of bio, a versatile, pretty good big man in space making plays. The question is like, basically, can he? Bam has struggled being the guy. Bam has struggled. Bam's biggest problem is not really his skill set. His biggest problem is honestly that he gets in these spots where he's open, but he overthinks it and he waits. And then like the play just kind of goes on. He doesn't make the quick trigger decisions. If you go back yeah. and you watch that game seven and you saw when they were switch, the heat were switching Al Horford in that first quarter, slipping everything, grabbing the ball and then immediately kicking to the corner. That's great offense but the Celtics couldn't hit anything. And so they got away from it and they just started chucking. And like, this is pain tolerance is a lot of this in the NBA. It's about, can you, can you live with this? Cause for the heat, it's going to be the same thing. They're going to try and stay home on the shooters and try and contain Murray and be like, okay, Joker could score 50 a game for all we care, but we're going to limit everybody else. Denver has a lot of mechanisms that make that tough to do, but that's going to be the mindset. Even beyond all the things that Denver can do otherwise to create better offense, it's one thing when you say it to yourself in a game plan. It's another when it's like Joker floater, Joker floater, Joker up and under, and one on Bam, free throw line jumper, floater off the off of the pick and roll, like over and over and over again. Eventually, you start to be like, we got to do something, man. Like even if you, if you, it takes such a pain tolerance mentally to not start being like, I could just go help like a little bit. I could just like. You know, we could just go down there and like just swipe at it. And the minute you do that, he's kicking it out and you got an open three. Uh, again, Denver has some mechanisms that they'll counter with. So getting back to your central point, you know, Butler, I think, is going to be able to have a pretty monster series because he's an amazing player. He wears down and he's on a bad wheel already. The Aaron Gordon matchup is going to be tough in isolations. When he tries the ISO stuff, Aaron Gordon's a pretty good matchup for him. Um, Butler does a lot of pump fake. You get you put your hands up and then he spins into you to draw a foul. Gordon will figure that out by like game two, game three, and do it less often. You saw the Celtics do the same. They got called for a lot of those early, and it was too late for them by the end. But Denver will get better as the series goes on too. Um, I think to that point, Miami was second in free throw rate this year. The Lakers were first. And we talked before the Lakers series, could Denver stay out of foul trouble? And I think having to have just played the Lakers whistle of all the whistles and get through that and learn how to do it, I think it will be very instructive for them here and, and very helpful. Aaron Gordon just defended Kevin Durant and then LeBron James. Like the, the guy has learned how to, I mean, not that he's didn't know before, 
He's he's yeah. had to defend without fouling. He's going to figure out some ways to do that. Yeah. So like, if you think again, I, I am coming back to all this, which is like, if you think the Bam Adebayo can have a massive series where he's averaging twenty five points or more in what would be an absolutely incredible performance from him in the biggest stage imaginable, you should bet the Heat. Like these are the pressure points. And the problem is like all of the things that we've seen throughout watching these two teams, not just this season, but over the last couple of seasons, suggest that Denver is at a big tactical advantage. Because part of this is Bam can have a big series and they can hit some threes as long as it's not 50% and they can do all these things. And Denver can still win because they're, this is my, my favorite stat going. The highest offensive rating that the Heat have allowed, so their defensive rating, the highest offensive rating they've allowed for an opponent when the Heat have won a game is 119.6. You mentioned this earlier. The Nuggets' average for the playoffs is 119.7. And granted, most of those are wins. They've lost three times in the playoffs. But that does tell you Denver's offensive floor is so damn high. And no one has been able to figure out how to drag them down into the mud. A couple of teams have had success, especially in game two, right? The Suns got them into a low scoring affair in game two. The Lakers got them into a low scoring affair in game two. Guess what? They won both those games. Yeah, I think that the floor ceiling thing, I think is is a factor I have in my notes as well, which is I genuinely believe Denver's realistic floor is still good enough to hang with Miami's realistic ceiling most of the time. Like, even when Miami has a Miami game and they hit the shots and they're playing good and they're locked in on defense, they're, they're, they're doing all the right things. Even when Denver is not having a great game and, and they're, you know, Murray's shooting a little too much like he does sometimes, even in those spots, I still think Denver has a chance to steal the game. That's Denver. I still expect to be in the game and hang around. Boston had a much wider gap from their ceiling to their floor. I think Boston's ceiling probably is still a little higher than Denver's. Doesn't matter now because they don't get the chance to play them. But when Boston looked good, they looked invincible. But when Boston looked bad, holy terrible. Like they just couldn't do anything. Denver doesn't have that lose your mind mentality mindset that Boston just did that we saw over and over with them. And I think even three times Denver has lost in the postseason, all three times they've had a shot in the final minute to take the lead or, or a tie. I forget one of the two, they've been right there in the final minute. They could just be 12 and 0 right now. They could have just won all the playoff games so far. And that matters because part of the reason the heat are here right now is that they are finding ways each series to steal a game or two that they had no business winning. Boston probably should have won like four or five of the games out of the seven. They didn't because they blew it late in the game. Both the first two games in Boston, they didn't win because Miami took over late. The Heat have been an awesome second-half team, but the Nuggets have been an even better second-half team. The Heat have been awesome in the clutch. The Nuggets have been even better in the clutch. I don't know that they'll be better here, but there's a big difference there. In the first half, Denver is a massive advantage by the numbers so far. Denver in the first half so far for the postseason is at plus 8.5 net rating. Miami is dead even. In the first quarter, Denver is plus 11.8. Miami has a negative net rating in the first quarter. Guess what? Boston had that advantage as well, and Boston got some first-half leads, but then Boston was bad in the second half because that's what the numbers said. Denver is just as good as Miami in the second half. 
if you get buried by that Denver avalanche early in the first quarter, in the first half, Denver is not the same animal as Boston. They are not going to give it all back to you and throw up all over themselves in the second half. So I I do think I point that out because we're going to get some high lines here. We're not doing game one right now, but game one, we're at minus nine for Denver and probably rising still. This is going to be a spot where if you like Denver in a game and you want to play them, you might bet them just first quarter or just first half. This is a spot where you, you play them to get the lead and establish it and then just kind of control from there. That's how their games have gone so far, and it's a weak spot for Miami. Uh, talk to me about first-time teams in the NBA Finals. You wrote about this for Action Network. I want to know what you what conclusions you came to. You can check it out on the Action Network app uh, if you want to read the article, but he's got a breakdown of teams in their first NBA Finals. What's the breakdown there? Yeah, so I was, I was thinking that this was a bit of a red flag to me. I was like, okay, shouldn't a team making its Finals debut? We talk all the time, Matt, narrative-wise about experience wins, Defense wins championships. Like it's it's one of those cliche things. So I kind of just want to know, is it true? Does experience win? Miami played in the finals three years ago and nearly played in the finals last year that the Nuggets have not been here before. So I look back and excluded teams from like the 50s and earlier because almost everyone was making their finals debut then. There's 12 NBA teams since then. They've made an NBA Finals debut, NBA, ABA counts, but it's not part of this, NBA Finals debut and did not play another team in the same spot. There's a few of those teams. So 12 teams, those teams in the finals went four and eight. Uh Uh-oh, that's not great for Denver. And by the way, when I was doing this kind of study, it was worse. It was one and seven for a while because I was going in alphabetical order and it turned out Toronto and San Antonio and... uh, Portland, the teams that actually did win are at the end of the alphabet. So my stat got a little bit less scary as I did did it. What I did in the article, though, that I thought was interesting, very listically of me, I went through and I ranked them. Okay, we got 12 teams that debuted in the finals. Who's like Denver? Because some of those teams got there because it just was a wide open parody year. No one was very good and they kind of snuck in. Denver is the one seed. Denver is not a snuck in team. Some of those teams were like, the 40 and 42 Rockets who were under 500, but made the finals because they wanted a big run. That's not the Nuggets. Denver is a great team. They're the one seed they've dominated so far. Here are the teams that I thought were most like the Nuggets and that I think are really interesting, interesting comparisons here. This is kind of a wild one, but the 91 Chicago Bulls, you have a potentially all-time great player making a leap to win a championship I know, I know comparing (laughs) Jokic to Jordan sounds ludicrous, but saying that about Jordan in 91 would have been the same thing. The difference here is look at the other guys. Scotty and Horace made the leap that year. Jordan was already great. Jordan was already winning MVPs. Scotty Pippen and Horace Grant made jumps. Jamal Murray has been really the breakout and and a star of these playoffs. Michael Porter Jr. has been really good. Those guys making the jump, setting things up, I think that sets up well. The 2015 Warriors... Now, they had won a championship, but it was 40 years before. So I counted them as as one of the teams that it was a long drought. That's kind of another version of the Bulls. You had the Jokic staff thing, very different players, but MVP caliber player. But what happened that year? Clay and Draymond, they made the leap. Jamal and MPJ, I think kind of joining as stars on that stage is interesting. The two most fascinating, the 77 Blazers, Bill Walton, Nikola Jokic, transcendent passing big man. That one kind of speaks for itself. And then the one that I can't get away from 1989, the Spurs make the finals for the first year. 
we got a Hall of Fame big man, two of them on that team, but let's focus on on Duncan kind of getting to the finals for his first time. And then what do they do? Eight seed in the finals waiting for him. The only other eight seed ever that beat the one seed because there was an injury. Tim Hardaway was hurt, so they beat them. They barely beat the two seed in the ECF to get into the finals. And then the Spurs rolled because the Spurs were the one seed and they're the best team all year and they were really good. And then they got to play an eight seed in the finals and they won in five. I think this is 1999 again. And by the way, part of why I wrote about this and when I bring it up here, seven out of the 14 teams I looked at got back to the finals the very next year. The Spurs, the Bulls, the Warriors we just mentioned, dynasties. This might not just be a fluke Nuggets thing. You can bet right now at some books on who will win next year's championship. Plus 500, Denver is the favorite. But this historical study that I did suggests this is not a fluke. This is not a new thing. This might be the beginning of a lot more than just a finals run. So I think betting, if you like Denver now, that number only gets shorter. If Denver is going to win the finals, they are going to enter next year as the favorites. That's how this works in the NBA. I don't mind betting Denver right now for next year too. I would say wait. And the reason I would say wait is um, I think there'll be favorites. There'll be favorites after the finals. But once we get into free agency and there's some sort of stupid trade. There's always a move. <laughs> yeah. And like all the, like there'll be something I think that comes in and like, let's again, let's, let's get them a title before we talk, start talking about next year's, but I understand <laughs> the value of what, what you're talking about. You're not wrong. Something to watch for. Um, The Spurs comp is actually pretty apt. Um, but Look, the Spurs went out of the gate because Tim Duncan is, he like I he's in my top five all time the way that the nuggets go about business they they do try and model themselves a little bit after that nobody talks about us we just like basketball we're all about business and basketball we love to be in the gym we're not about drama we're not about making headlines and expanding our brands um (laughs) goofy superstar a little bit tim duncan's a little goofy actually when you get to know him like everyone he's knows like being so boring the heb commercials are proof he wasn't there's a lot lot of comps that you can actually make there like if you're doing the one-to-one sure tim duncan was a was a was an elite defensive player and the Jokic is not but if we're talking about guys that made their team better there's a little there's something there um so i like that comp quite a bit yeah i mean it's it's offense instead of defense but and i forgot to point out when i rank the teams of the top five teams, which I listed off who they all were, the other one was the Jazz, who ran into Michael Jordan. But I think, interestingly, the Stockton, Malone, Murray, Jokic thing, very different. But I think that maybe those guys could be like a Stockton, Malone-type pairing just on the basketball court. We don't want to talk about the off-basketball part with these guys anymore. But when I ranked them, four of the top five teams that were most similar to Denver won the finals. So even though the overall record was bad, four and eight, The teams Denver is like are teams that not only won, but kept winning after that. Um, We didn't talk about just the very obvious thing. I think just worth saying Denver is at home. Denver has a huge rest and health advantage. We all know, but it's important to point out Miami coming off a game seven. Our friend Raheem Palmer has the stat 33 and 53 for teams coming off a game seven in the following game one since 1988. It's in elevation. It's short rest. I think it's going to be a jarring transition for Miami to play whatever the heck Boston thought offense was and whatever the heck New York thought offense was. That's been a month of heat basketball. Guess what? The Nuggets play real offense and actually run stuff. I think it's going to take Miami some time to adjust, kind of like you did with the Warriors runs for years. 
So it's a short prep time, short rest time, not enough healthy bodies. Miami, they got through it. They made it past Boston, but that Gabe Vincent knee injury, the Oladipo injury, Tyler Hero, we don't know if he'll play yet. Jimmy Butler, you said he's going to have a great series. I don't, I don't think Jimmy Butler is going to have a great series. First eight games of the postseason, 33 and a half points a game. 10 since 24. It's a yeah. huge drop off. His plus minus is only positive in four of the last nine games. He's yeah. not playing as well as he was. He's not willing to go up for the shot. He's passing out of the paint over and over again. If that's the Jimmy we're getting here, and I don't know why it wouldn't be, there's no week of rest like he got last time. They're dead in the water if that's what the Jimmy is that we're getting because Jokic is already the best player in the court. Yeah. If Butler can at least get close to that, if he's not even second best, because that's how well Jamal Murray is playing, we're done. And it's like a sweep and we're out of here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jimmy doesn't look healthy at all. Like, no. He just doesn't look healthy. He doesn't look right. I'm going to give him credit for, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I, I have to have a healthy enough respect for the heat and for Jimmy and for all this to be like, they can do this. You're absolutely right. Like, I think it's on the table that Jimmy's just like, man, Jimmy just ran out of gas. I think they spent a lot on that, on that Celtic series. A um, couple things we got. I want to continue up on the rest thing. Uh, home teams with more rest in game one of the finals at home are seven and two straight up. Uh, road dogs uh, off of a game seven are 11 and 25 straight up since 2003, 17 and 19 against the spread. If you get past the semifinals, that's five and 14 straight up, nine and 10 against the spread. That's includes a one and three straight up and two and two ATS mark. If you got two days of rest or more off of a game seven. So the numbers a little bit more mixed on that. Maybe the two days really doesn't matter. You mentioned raw stat. Here's the other one series stat. This is for who wins the series. If you play in a game seven and you go to the next round, 36 and 50 now after the Boston Celtics yeah. lost, it's really tough. Um, so a lot of these numbers are in their favor, but I want to go to the other side here. I have two questions for you on the heat. One, let's start here. What does a heat series win look like to you? I think that it has to mean, I'm going to give you a very specific path and I'm not the specific path guy. Usually this is, this is usually your specialty, but I think if you want to bet Miami to win the series, I really think that the path is narrow enough that it has to go one of two ways, really one way. Miami has to win all three home games. They've been really good at home. They're plus eight and a half net rating at home. They're a negative net rating on the road. They have to win the home games. I don't think Miami can win a game seven in Denver. I know they just won a, a road game seven yesterday. I know, but doing it twice in a row in elevation in Denver at the end of two more weeks, three weeks of war, I don't see it. I don't think they're going to win game five in Denver for similar reasons. The elevation spot, Denver is 42 and seven at home so far in the year. They're undefeated in the playoffs. Miami was 17 and 24 on the road in the regular season. They're going to have to win one on the road. I think the path is Miami wins game one or game two. They win the three road or the three home games. That's the path. It has to be that. I don't know how Miami loses a home game and gets two on the road. I know they just got three in Boston. I hear you, listener. I don't think they're doing against Denver. All right. So at a book, correct score after game four is heat three, one is plus five fifty. So if you mm -hmm. want to bet Miami to win the series, like you have to ask yourself, do you think that the heat can come back and win a two, two series with game seven in Denver? I would say no. They're going to be exhausted and beaten the hell by that point. Um, and then from there it gets into like, okay, could they, 
you know, could they lose game both games one and two and then sweep them in six, four straight? Is Denver going to have one, lost three games all postseason and lose four straight? That seems tough, but you would have probably oh. said Boston. You probably said, would have said Boston wouldn't lose three straight either, to be fair. Um, so I think three, if you're going to bet Heat, 3-1 after game four, which you can find in the market, plus 550, is probably a pretty good number to, to lock in and bet. Yeah, I, I don't mind that because kind of going off of what I said, that's the same path, but it doesn't rely on Miami actually winning the finals. Like Miami could still lose and it doesn't matter. You already got your money after that. Like Miami could be up 3-1 and just run out of gas and Denver wins the finals, but you already cashed your plus 550. It's the same path. It just doesn't require the rest of the path to play out. Um, it, can you look up for me the on, on the exact outcomes? I'm going to talk about how Miami wins a game. Give me the exact outcome once you find it of Miami wins game one plus the three home games or game two plus the three home games. How does Miami win a game? We talked about this against Boston. I had a much easier time coming up with a list of here's how Miami won the game. You know, you, you missed you missed game one of the finals. Holy cow. The Heat won a road game one, fourth series in a row. How did it happen? Here's my list. And I'm less convinced by it. And this is why I like Denver more. Number one. All the threes fell for Miami. That certainly is possible. It's always in play. But remember, Denver doesn't let you get as many threes up. It's not going to be as strong of a shot variance series as it was against Boston, just by design. So that's one way. Number two, Miami mucks it up. They keep it close. They win in the clutch. We talked about that. That could happen, but Denver is just as good in the clutch and a little better early to get some distance. So again, it's a possible way, but less likely. Number three, Eric Spolstra just does magic things, especially comes up with, you know, the diamond and one triangle and two defense and springs it on a mid game or something. And that kind of ties into the first time Denver finals thing. Spo just has the magic touch. I think Michael Malone is the best coach that Spo will have faced in these playoffs so far. It is not Joe Missoula. He is not Thibodeau. I don't think that's as big of an advantage. And then the last one is, you have the best player on the court. That was a chance against Boston. When you had Butler against Tatum, it didn't happen a lot because Butler is not healthy. It's not going to happen with Jokic. He's not going to be the best player on the court. So I think those are the ways Miami wins a game. I think they might need two of those things to happen any game to actually win it. And now they have to win four of those games. That's why I have such a hard time getting there. Did you find uh, the numbers for exact outcome? So I've got if. I've got Miami, Denver, Miami, Miami, Miami. So that'd be a 5-1 Miami series. Okay. Or a 4-1 Miami series. That's 5,500. Okay. I don't, I don't want that one though. Cause that's winning in Denver. I, I, I want Denver to, yeah, I want Miami to win the three home games and then win game one. I think that's the path. That, that's the Lakers path. That's how the Lakers won their two series. Okay. So it's, it's, it's heat and six. Yes. With the first game. If you like the, the the very narrow path that I've given the Heat, if you want to give them either game one or game two in Denver and then the three home games in Miami, you can bet that at our sponsor FanDuel, plus 3,600 if Miami wins the second game in Denver, plus 3,900 if they win the first game, and then all three Miami games at home after that. If you do that, add those percentages together, you're getting basically a plus 18, what did you say, plus 1,800? 1823 18, plus 1823 implied on that outcome for for Miami to steal one of the first two then win the three Miami games at home. I, I love Denver in the series. I'm very confident they win. 
But again, I said 80%. 80% likely doesn't mean that they definitely win all the time. Stuff can happen. Stuff happened in the last couple of rounds. So I don't mind that. If you want to just like lightly sprinkle those two, I mean, even like a 0.1 unit or a 0.25, very lightly, just kind of like as a, a bit of protection, a bit of hedge of, hey, I like my Denver spot. I'm going to bet Denver. But here's a little hedge of what if that, you know, that experience does come out? What if Mammy gets one of these first two and then just does the heat magic and gets there? I think they got to win those three home games, though. Let me ask you this. If uh, if Miami takes game one or game two, how much are you going to change your equation on the series? I think it's going to depend a lot on why or how they took game one or two. Obviously, of course, we would say that. But here's a key thing that I, that I noted. There was one game in the Eastern playoffs when Jimmy Butler did not play. And I think that game is really fascinating because that was against the Knicks. In that game, Miami took 49 three-pointers. That was a huge, huge difference in style of play from what they've done usually. If Miami comes out and, and manages to get up 40 to 50 three-pointers in game one, and it's going to be a slow-paced series. Miami plays super slow. Denver plays pretty slow. If Miami plays that way, my interpretation is going to be, oh, Eric Spolstra knows that he's the, the 14 seed in the March Madness bracket. He's going full underdog. He's going full shot variance and saying, we're outgunned. We're out of gas. We just got to fire up the threes and be the thing we're being accused of and try to just make shots and shot variants. Even if Denver wins in game one, but Miami got up 45 or 50 threes like that, I will feel less confident about Denver after that. That three-point volume, even if they missed them all, if the three-point volume is high, that's when I'm going to have to pause a little bit and say, okay, we're, we're introducing a lot more variability now. Miami, we've seen when the shots go in. Holy crap, Duncan Robinson went seven of nine and hit all the shots. That's not that strange. Duncan could do that like any day, except apparently game six when the whole thing was on the line. He could do that. So can Gabe, so can Caleb, so can all the undrafted guys. They can all make the threes. I think three-point volume would be the thing that I would need to watch closely. Otherwise, I we haven't talked about finals MVP or talked about just betting the Nuggets on the series. I don't want to bet any of those things. I don't think there's much value there. If I see a big outlier, like the three-point volume, then I may have to readjust. Otherwise, I just have to double down. If Miami steals game one, I just have to go back and say, okay, great. We've got value on Denver. It's time to bet them now. And last series, we I wanted to do that. You and I both talked about it in our series preview. We actually want to bet Boston here. We like heat. We're both betting the heat but we actually want to bet Boston. We want to wait for a spot to bet Boston. And then the spot never came. And then the spot came. Oh, three. And I bet it. And we've got a great CLV. And we lost anyways. Hopefully it's not oh, three again. But right now, barring something major changing, and you'll hear about it from us on Buckets, if it is, right now, if Miami wins game one, I'm just going to have to bet. I'm going to hammer Denver in game two. I'm going to bet them on the series. You, I, I liked your, you did a really good write-up and it was a good value bet. Like it was a bet worth making on the Celtics at plus 1200. When they lost game two, I was out. That was the one where I was like, nope. I was like, no more. I will not bet a series price on Boston. And I did, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. Like that was such a, such a bad loss. Um, finals MVP. If you are just like, look, I'm willing to lay the juice. I don't care. Denver's going to win. Just bet Jokic. Just bet Jokic. 
you're not going to get like awesome return on this. Uh, you're not going to get it's it's not it is not a fun bet to make. But if we're looking at you have it at 80 percent uh, for the Nuggets to win the series, correct? Yep. So our uh, our implied on that, that's with 80 percent. That, that's a minus 400 translation. Yeah. It's a minus 400. Jokic is minus 320 to be finals MVP. So like. If you so don't that means that's a good bet. That means that bet is is slightly in our favor, even though you got to bet a lot of money to not make a lot of money. Neither you or I play those bets very often. It's not a great long-term strategy, I think, just because you're risking a lot to win a little. And and look, sports happen. We, we've seen sports yeah. happen in the sports so far. So I, I don't love that. But I, I think, honestly, hearing myself, I, I think I should bet that probably because my whole thing is trust the math, play the numbers. The math says that's a good angle. Let me ask you this about Jokic MVP. Which of these two scenarios is more likely to you? Denver wins the finals, but Jokic does not win MVP. Denver loses the finals, but Jokic wins MVP. Okay, we're talking very, 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 very small percentages here. Um, I would say there's less than a 5% chance of that happening. Legit. Of which one? Either? Uh, both combined. Okay. Okay. Um, and I, I, I usually go heavy on the, well, you got to factor in like random probability. This is not one because they're just too t- closely tied. Look, we've, we've seen, we've, we haven't seen the losing team win. They just, if LeBron wasn't going to do it, no one's going to do it. If LeBron didn't do it, no one is going to do it. If Jokic puts up Jokic numbers, they're winning the series. And if Jokic, and if he, they win the series and he's putting up those numbers, Jokic is winning MVP. And on the other side of it, um, so like I can't see him putting up the numbers in a losing effort. Like it's just too highly correlated. Like Jokic is one of the strongest players, in my opinion, in terms of his like the record when he has a triple double is incredible. Yeah. Like they win those games. The same was mostly true of Russ. It's just more strong with Jokic. They win those games. Um, so I can't see either happening. If you ask me which one is more probable. It's Nuggets winning and Jokic doesn't win an MVP because it's like Jokic gets hurt in game three and Jamal Murray just like flamethrower. No one can believe it. <laughs> Absolutely sensational. Like Caleb Martin. <laughs> yeah, a Caleb Martin performance. But uh, yeah. neither one of those things I think is 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 under consideration. Yeah, um, I think I agree. And just to, to the point, the math on this, the best number I see for Nuggets series right now is minus 380. The math says if you think Jokic can win MVP in at least 92% of Denver victories, then that means you should bet him, not just Denver. And I, I agree. Yeah, I think it's close to 100. I think if the Nuggets win, it's Jokic. And I think I would say out of the two options I gave you, I think that, again, both very, very unlikely. But I think that Jokic winning MVP in a losing effort is even more likely than Denver winning and him not getting it, yeah. which means that now the 92% is too high. No, it might be like 88% and I can actually have a few extra outs there. So I think if you just, just want to bet the Nuggets to win and not mess with all the extra stuff, Jokic MVP is the proxy for that. Uh, a couple of the matchups things in this series. Uh, if you, I, I asked you about how, what it looks like if Miami wins. It's You mentioned the three-point variance. It's also turnovers. Um, the yeah, Nuggets' right. weakness is transition defense. Um, the Heat actually have a more efficient transition offense in the playoffs than the Nuggets after the Nuggets had the best mark, I think, in a long time in the regular season. Denver's been really good about not turning the ball over, but it's historically been a weakness for them. 
Um, when they don't turn the ball over more than their, their opponent, they win about 70% of the time overall. Playoffs, regular season, whatever. And this playoffs, I think they're seven and one when they don't turn the ball over more than their opponent. Um, it's ridiculous. So that's that's a starting place. Is like the Heat just turn them over. They're in passing lanes. They turn them over, create easy buckets. That increases yeah. variance. So like, uh, it's a shame we can't get on same game parlays involving turnovers because I would I would be in on that kind of a concept like Jokic turnovers, right? And, Miami and, Heat, and Heat money line. Um, yeah. MPJ I think is going to have a massive series. Yeah, uh, the Heat. Caleb Martin six five. Highsmith is six five. Lowry is six zero. Oh. They don't have. They just don't have. They don't have anybody that can get into his airspace. Austin Reeves was this way where he's six five. And when he was guarding MPJ, it was a ball rack. MPJ was just shooting over him on on off of DHOs. They're gonna have clean looks on a lot of these. They can disrupt yeah. his, his handle and they can cause turnovers. But MPJ is gonna be able to hit shots a lot those, in the series. Those uh, uh those open threes that Al Horford and Marcus Smart were bricking all series are yeah. gonna be Michael Porter Jr. shooting over dudes and has a much better shooter now. Aaron Gordon likely to have a much better series because they got to keep Bam on Jokic. I don't think they can do the small on Jokic and Bam roaming. Um, and with that, that AG's bigger and stronger than all these dudes. He's real. He's a really great under the basket player. He can play in the dunker spot a little bit more in this series where he's comfortable. And that means a lot of lobs from Jokic to Gordon for dunks. Like, again, I don't have a lot of guys in this series that I'm like, they're going to have a rough time for Denver. Like Jamal Murray, maybe if they, if Butler just summons the will and is just on his hip constantly while also being the offensive fulcrum on the other end, Gabe Vincent's a very good defender, but I just got to be real with you. Like, you know, there's this idea of like, well, they're going to, they're going to wear him out. They're going to pressure him full court guys. The, NAW was doing this in round one. It didn't matter. He cooked him by the end of it. The Lakers tried doing it with Dennis Schroeder. It didn't matter. He cooked him by the end of it. Like point blank, Murray Murray's just been better. So like nothing that Miami's going to throw at Denver is stuff that they're like, oh God, what are we going to do? Versus there's a lot of stuff with Denver. I'm just like, I don't know what Miami's going to do here. And that's look full, full mission. Spo's got a lot of tricks in the bag and it's not my job to be smarter than Spo. There's no way that's possible. <laughs> yeah, thank God that is not our job. Yeah. We would not have a job anymore. <laughs> like, the, like Brady Brady Hogue, who covers the the Heat for five reasons, had a great breakdown today on Twitter talking about Bam as the point guard running pick and roll with Jimmy as the screener. Like, that's a really interesting dynamic of like, what do you do there? How do you manage yeah. that? But I will also say like. Dem- Denver's gonna figure it out. <laughs> like it's not like Denver's gonna be like, oh no, there's nothing we can do. Like Denver will be like, all right, well, we're no. gonna switch it or we're gonna drop, we're gonna drop two and make ban. Like that's what they'll do is they'll go under and be like, Bam, if you want to shoot mid-range jump shots off the dribble, have, yeah. have fun, my well, man. And and here's the thing, too. It's not just crediting Michael Malone to figure this out. It's it's crediting the basketball genius that is Nikola Jokic, yeah. who is on the court when you made the adjustment. Like Miami threw the zone wonderfully out of timeouts in these like unexpected spots against Boston, and they panicked. They had no idea what to do because they had to like wait to get the timeout, the weirdly timed Missoula timeout, and recover and figure it out. Denver has the solution on the court. It's Jokic in real time figuring out what the answer is. You don't need a timeout to do that. He's just gonna find the answer like the way that we've talked about LeBron for all the years of solving things this is the thing we're saying about Nikola Jokic he's gonna solve the equation and and Spo's gonna give him lots of equations to solve he absolutely is but I think we trust Jokic to solve them 
We haven't said that much about Tyler Hero. We don't know necessarily when he'll be back. How is Tyler Hero an X factor for you? What, what can he look like or how could he change the series? Uh, Jameer Nelson, who is a better player than than Tyler. Uh, though Tyler, I think, is good. Jameer Nelson missed most of the second half of the season in the Orlando Magic's finals run. Uh, he had an, a shoulder injury and missed time. Jameer was like an all-star that season. He was great. And it really sucked right. that he missed that playoff run. And if he had been fully healthy, I legitimately think things could have been different. He was available for the finals and they made the very tough decision of being like, all right, let's go ahead and, and put Jameer in because he's earned it. And it threw off everything because Ray for Alston had been the point guard and that's who they had been. And that was their identity. Um, Brian Fonseca, who writes for us over here and is also at, at uh, five on the floor, like you're disrupting what's been working more hero means less of Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin. Those guys have been why you're in the finals along with Jimmy and like a little bit of bam, my like bam's defense. Like, I will like the Nuggets more if Tyler Hero plays. I'm not worried about Tyler. Like, Hero will attack them. He's an on-ball scorer, okay? Can you keep up with the efficient? Like, is Tyler Hero better than Jamal Murray? No, okay? Is Tyler Hero better than MPJ plus KCP plus Aaron Gordon? No. So, like, the the equations here don't work out in their favor, and I think defensively, this is the same thing with Duncan Robinson. Like, there, if they, that happens, there will likely be a, a a stretch of time where Spo is trying. All right, let's try and get offense on the floor. So let's have Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. If Nicola's on the floor for that, he's going to annihilate it. Like they're going to kill those lineups. They can't hang physically with how how big and tough and fast and athletic Denver is. This is one of the underrated things about Denver. For as much as they're a shooting team and like a ball movement offense. They're massive and they're athletic. It's MPJ and Aaron Gordon and KCP and Bruce Brown and all these dudes. And even Jeff Green at age 38, like all these dudes are just big and athletic. It's going to be really tough. But look, again, if you think all this is BS and you think that they're just going to find a way, I can't blame you. They've done it twice. You should bet the heat. We're going to bet the Nuggets, and that's going to be your best bet for the NBA Finals. We have series props coming up for you tomorrow. Uh, we'll have Game 1 featuring all of our analysts. We'll have Game 2, Game 1 reaction for you all throughout the NBA playoffs. Keep you updated on series prices, all those kinds of things. We have tons of content for you in the Action Network app. Download that right now. Leave us those five-star reviews. My thanks to David Payne for producing this very long episode. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, let's get final buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.